This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, Chad Hennings is our guest, a three-time Super Bowl winner, With the Dallas Cowboys, he spent nine years in the NFL. But wait till you hear uh, about what he did before getting into the NFL and his time in the Air Force and just an incredible story and journey. But he's also, he's just a very accomplished guy. And so his perspective, now that he kind of looks back, he's in his late 50s, his perspective and and really his message that, that he ends up teaching and preaching and sharing to, to people around the country. Uh, this is on his bio. It says, Chad challenges audiences to realize it's not what we do that determines who we are, but that it's who we are that determines what we do. And so he talks about identity. He talks about who who we are in Christ when we we know and follow Jesus. And, and so I have some, some really good thoughts on that that I, that I think you'll be encouraged by. Uh, whether you're a, a, a woman or a man today, but but his heartbeat it really is for men. He, he's the, the founder of Wingmen Ministries, an organization that encourages discipleship and mentorship of men. But he gives some great thoughts on marriage, and uh, he's been married over 30 years. And so uh, a lot of great nuggets to to pull away from this conversation and we'll get to it in just a just a moment. Uh, one thing he he does bring up, is, you know, I asked him kind of, you know, what are some common things that, that he talks to men about? So you'll, you'll hear his, his response and just some of the issues that, that kind of we all deal with that, that are common threads. And, and he brought up the, the, the word masculinity and how oftentimes culture defines that, that word. And, you know, we get caught up in, in maybe different narratives about that word, I, I guess. What, you know, what does it really mean to be a man? And, and for those women listening, what does it really look like to be a woman? And further than that, what does the Bible say? What does God say? And how did he design us and create us to be different and unique individually, but then also as a man and a woman? And and so uh, Chad, Chad talks about uh, th- that a little bit, which I, he gives some, some great insight. Um, but then he, he also, and I, I didn't push back on this just because it was kind of a throwaway line, um, but, but he talked about, oh, you, you know, you, men should be able to go hunt and fish and, and that kind of thing, which is great. And, and hunting and fishing, I'm sure is cool. That's not what I like. That's not how I live out my masculinity. Um, but I think it's like, it's, it's great. It's cool. Some guys do that. And I think 
part of even we all want to land on, okay, what does God say? What does the Bible say? And that, that's Chad's message. But, but then we also add other things to it, kind of personal, like how we're personally wired and our own personal experiences. And, and so it's just funny because some, some people, you know, have this picture of, oh, man, that's a guy's guy because he drives a truck and he hunts and fishes. And, you know, I'm from the South, and so that's what I, I grew up with. But, like, my, my perspective is – more of the sports, you know, athlete, sports fan, like that kind of thing. Um, business, success, like that. From a, a non-biblical standpoint, those are some of the things that, that I default toward, not necessarily hunting, fishing, or a truck. Uh, and then uh, Chad jokes about skinny jeans, and I'm thinking, wait, how tight are my jeans? <laughs> I don't wear skinny jeans, but I did. I actually got a new pair. I I got them for Christmas last year, and then I had to take them back, and it took me a whole year to actually get a, a size that fit or the, a style that fit. Um, and actually, maybe the ones I got last year were too too tight, too skinny skinny jeans. So hopefully I passed the test for Chad. I didn't stand up to get the test. But anyway, I just wanted to share all that just as you go into it, just to think about it and evaluate. Okay, what, is, what does the Bible say when... God, you know, God clearly indicates, okay, these are the roles of, of men. These are how he designed men and some of the characteristics. And then also, how do we look to the characteristics of Jesus? And ultimately, we want to become more like Jesus. And so Jesus didn't drive a truck. So that's, that's not the, the definition of, okay, I'm living out who I'm created to be. Anyway, it's a very interesting topic. I, I don't have all the answers. I, I, don't, I don't want to put anybody in a box. Uh, but again, point people to scripture, point people to Jesus. And that's ultimately, that's the standard. And so we want to follow Jesus, but I love, love the conversation with Chad. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Uh, stick around. I got a few more thoughts after the conversation. Uh, but before we jump in, let me thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. They're an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality MediShare is the nation's largest healthcare sharing community, and my family, my wife and I, five years, we've been uh, members. Now we've got two daughters during that time, uh, and so we've been able to have you know both those births and pregnancies and all that kind of thing, and so very thankful to uh, have MediShare because it's provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for healthcare, and, and so... Uh, very, very thankful for them. If you want uh, a link and, and just some information to find out more and, and and figure out if it's the right fit for your family, text the word UNPACK to the number 201201. So text the word UNPACK to 201201, and you'll get a link back. You can click on that and uh, get some information. So uh, appreciate their support. But right now, let's jump in. It's our conversation with Chad Hennings. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MetaShare guest line, we are thrilled to have Chad Hennings. A fighter pilot and U.S. Air Force veteran, a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, an author, entrepreneur, father, and husband. His books, Rules of Engagement and Forces of Character. Chad, thanks so much for being with us here on Unpacking It. 
How are you? Uh, Bryce, I am awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, we, we've got uh, so much to cover today, but but just because we're in the middle of the NFL season, I, I'm curious, you, you still live uh, in Texas. How closely do you follow the, the Cowboys? You know, I, I, closely. Once a Cowboy, always a Cowboy. Um, I love it. Years ago, when Jerry built the new stadium, AT&T Stadium, he reached out to a lot of you know, us guys from his teams in the 90s, as well as guys from the 70s, that Super Bowl era teams under Tom Landry, and he created a Legends Committee. And we do a lot of different things for the Cowboys, uh, do a lot of different charity functions, sign on autographs for them, you know, grip and grin at games. So it, it allows us to kind of still be a part of the team and, and feel connected. I love it. So what are your thoughts on, on this year? A little bit up and down, Dak's back, but maybe not as great as we anticipated. What do you think? You know, it's, as I say to a lot of friends and a lot of uh, fans of the Cowboys, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, they, they play well. It seems they go on bits and spurts, but, you know, they haven't been able to close some of the games that, that they should close out and win. So, you know, it's a long season. This The regular season is – just win enough games to get into the playoffs, and it's a whole new series then. Absolutely. It's been a, a fun NFL season so far, and I feel like the, the parody is going to continue. And so these, these last few weeks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be wild. But as long as you're in the mix, like you say, just get in, and we'll see what happens. Just get in, baby. Just get in. That's it. That, that's right. That's, that's my uh, perspective with fantasy football as well. I'm just trying to make the fantasy <laughs> football playoffs. So we got to keep it going. Well, Chad, I want, I want to hear really about your story and, and, and want our listeners to, to hear all that, that you've experienced. And, and I guess part of the, the, the thread throughout your story, I think, is how one thing set you up for the next thing. And, and so I, I guess I kind of want to hear about that because you grew up in Iowa. So how did that set you up kind of for what ended up taking place after that and, and from Air Force to NFL to, to all the incredible work you're, you're doing now? But take us through that, that thread a little bit. You bet. You know, and just to, to kind of, from a 10,000-foot view perspective, it's, I fully believe that, you know, when we all strive to live excellence, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's, it, you're never there. Mm. So to your point, everything that, you know, I did as a young man, as a, as a kid, growing up on a farm in Iowa, um, every step thereafter led to something bigger, to something better, to more challenges, et cetera. But that foundation was laid for me. I grew up on a family farm at the time. It was about 900 acres. It had wow. been in our family for over about 135 years. So my family settled this community part before there was any towns in the area back in the late 1840s, early 1850s in the East central part of Iowa. You know, I worked alongside my father, my grandfather, my brothers, you know, my whole family. I learned to, you know, I was driving tractors tractors and uh, bulldozers at 10, 11 years old. You know, a lot of times kids today, some parents don't even let them ride a riding lawnmower to mow their grass. <laughs> at 10, 11 years old, my brother and I were, you know, we were doing working alongside. It was not a big thing. I mean, that's just what we did. Mm. You know, and from there, having that work ethic, that aspect of, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm. And as, as farmers in agriculture, you know, you don't get days off, whether it's you don't get snowed out, you don't get rained out, you, you have livestock, you have to feed, you have to do the chores. So that work ethic, that, that mm. mindset carried on with me when I was accepted to go to the Air Force Academy. I wanted to have an experience that was unlike 
you know, your traditional collegiate experience. I wasn't necessarily highly recruited coming out of high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to win a state wrestling title, and that's when I kind of started to get looks from the football side. But, you know, I graduated from high school at 6'4", 215 pounds. I went to the Air Force Academy, played my first year as a, as a tight end. Spring ball my freshman year, transitioned to the defensive line. You know, roll forward three years later when I'm a senior, win the Outland Trophy, you know, All-American, led the nation in sacks, drafted by the Cowboys, but I had a military commitment to serve. Mm. Um, you know, so technically playing for the Cowboys was, you know, was a dream, but it wasn't going to be a reality because I wanted to fly jets. And I put on additional commitment aside from my – traditional five-year commitment coming out of a service academy to eight years. So technically playing the NFL, I'd have been a 32-year-old rookie if I ever decided to go out. But but that for me, it was all the sense of commitment, honor, integrity. I gave my word to serve my nation, to serve our nation. I raised my hand to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. So I went and flew jets. It was a difficult transition for me, though, just – internally because you know I, I wanted to see if I had the right stuff to take it to the next level in the NFL too mm. and when I went through pilot training it was at a, a base in Wichita Falls Texas which was just a couple hours outside the Dallas Fort Worth area and uh, the Cowboys would send me tickets on the weekend so my buddies and I when we had time off we'd go watch the Cowboy games you know and I'm watching the guys in my draft class Michael Irvin Ken Norton Jr. play and it, it really tore me up, but that was something that I had to work through that giving your word means something. Sometimes it may cost you perception. It costs you, but wow. after pilot training, I went and received the assignment to fly the A-10, the Warthog was flying missions out of England into Germany, you know, in the old cold war scenario um, when there was a former Soviet union, mm. but then the Gulf war first Gulf war kicks off. And I got my squadron, was the first squadron out of USAFE to get tasked to fly missions out of Inserlik, Turkey, into northern Iraq to support the Kurds. And it was called Operation Provide Comfort, and it turned into Northern Watch. And during that whole time, after, you know, we did what we did in, in that conflict, our armed forces went through a reduction in force where they waived, not just for me, but across the board, because they wanted to downsize the reduction of force, waived my commitment, not just my pilot training commitment, but they waived two years off our service academy commitment. At this time, I had been in for just a little over four years. Mm. So I kind of called the Cowboys up, or my agent who had represented me when I was drafted part of graduating from the academy said, are you interested in this young man? Because time, they, still had your, they still had your rights. They had my draft rights, yeah. But at this point in time, Jerry Jones had bought the team in 89, so... You know, I was drafted by Tom Landry and Tech Schramm and Clint Murchison, the old regime. Ah. So I went and um, the Cowboys said, you know, yeah, we don't. But is he in shape? So I, <laughs> and, and in essence, I got a phone call from my agent who had represented me again in the, the contract negotiations and said, uh, hey, Cowboys have a airline ticket for you at London Heathrow Airport. Flight leaves, you know, tomorrow afternoon. Can you get there? And this was like at, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night due to the time change. So I called my ops officer up and said, sir, I need a emergency leave. I'm going to get a chance to go try out for the Cowboys. He, of course, he said, all right, awesome. <laughs> I fly to Dallas, get there on a, a Friday night. Conversation with Jerry and Stephen Jones and Bobby Ackles, who was their old general manager at the time. And 
telling war stories. And that morning, Saturday morning, I got up bright and early and did my workout for the Cowboys. And evidently, you know, obviously it went well to yeah. the point that uh, Jimmy Jones, Coach Johnson, excuse me, Jimmy Johnson came up and said, um, like what we see, Chad, when can you come join us? I had no idea. I kind of, I literally, I saluted, said, Coach, I'll, I'll let you know. Mm. I went back, submitted my paperwork to separate from the Air Force. And within three weeks, I was out processed out of the Air Force in Dallas, getting ready to go through my first training camp. And that's how fast life happened. I mean, it was just a total roller coaster ride for, you know, those years where I was able to serve my country, fly jets, you know, get 45 missions flying into northern Iraq. And three of my first four years in the NFL were Super Bowl championships. You know, my, my claim to fame is I flew my last mission in Northern Iraq wow. in 92, and I played in the Super Bowl the same year. Unbelievable. What a story. Well, it's an incredible story just on the, on the surface. But then when we take it deeper, I'm curious. So while you're going through it, what was your relationship with Jesus like? And now as you look back, how did you see God's hand in, in all of this and just the, the way, the timing of things and the ways that, that, that doors opened up uh, throughout this journey? You know, it was God's hand was totally over me the whole way. He orchestrated everything. I mean, for mm. certain things to happen in the time frame that it did, in the order that it did, mm. um, or, or nothing but, you know, miraculous, you know, in essence, yeah. unless we call it a miracle, but, but it was yeah. very providential. Mm. Um, and for me, it, uh, I grew up in a very, going to a liturgical church that it was mm. more disciplined mm. and, uh, very conservative and not much on the relationship with the spiritual aspect of our relationship with our heavenly father. And a lot of my, my attitude at the time was more on performance. It's what I could do for God to earn my salvation. But it was the time that, um, what really impacted me when I was flying those missions in Northern Iraq, I, I fly across the Tigris and Euphrates river. You know, you could see Mount Ararat the, in the far distance in the far Southeastern regions of Turkey. Um, you know, this was where God spoke to Abram and said, you know, I'm going to trust me. I'm going to follow me. I'm going to send you to the promised land, you know, into Canaan. And this was the fertile crescent where it, where it all began. And it, it really had this profound impact on me. And, you know, being a performance-based Christian, I would attend chapel services if I wasn't flying on, on Sunday on the base. And we'd hear stories of Christians, you know, in Turkey and other parts of that region that were being persecuted. Now, remember, this is 91, 92 timeframe. This was before Fox News. This was before you heard a lot of persecution. You know, we never, I mean, we never had, I never heard of Christians being persecuted for their faith, either verbally, you know, physically assaulted or even martyred, killed for their faith. Yeah. And that had a profound impact on me in the fact that I knew I needed to, I felt I needed to work harder for my faith. And as I, you know, I did that, this whole transition occurred to get into the Cowboys, et cetera. And, but what was really, we can get into this maybe later too, but just the highlight of, of my relationship with my Heavenly Father was up until this, you know, we had a, my son Chase. After we won the third Super Bowl in four years, my son got really, really sick. And to the point of, we, I couldn't control it. And this was the first time in my life where I couldn't control the outcome based on my own work performance. Mm. And for me, that was where I really, for my wife and myself, we had to really 
ask a lot of questions and got down on their knees and asked God, you know, who are you? What is your character? What is your nature? Who am I in relationship to my identity? Mm. You know, until that point in time, I was a fighter pilot, you know, football player, college athlete, you know, but what it came down to now, I realized that the true love that God has for us and my identity as a man is that I'm a son of the living God. And for Mm. me, that's where the transition really came. Gosh, that's, that's powerful. Well, uh, so then with your son, what, what ended up being the story with, with him? He ended up having um, an autoimmune illness where he was had a reaction to, you know, unfortunately to an immunization that he received, mm-hmm. one of his childhood immunizations. And it was just tuck, you know, nip and tuck. And we had to seek a lot of different medical opinions. But, um, you know, he's, he's fully adulting now. He's bought his own house. He's a great right. job. So it all ended up well. But, you know, during that time, during my whole pretty much from that time, from my third year on in the NFL, we were dealing with that issue. And um, it, it, it was tough. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was a challenge. And for me, that's where, you know, I prayed that 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 three word prayer that many times we as men pray that God help me. I, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for me, I think the biggest thing was it also I realized that I didn't have the comfort of having relationships with other guys where I could admit that, Hey, I'm not holding it together Mm. that, um, I I just, I need to process this because there's certain things you can't communicate to your wife because Mm. God created us, whether you believe it or not, he created us differently, emotionally, spiritually, biologically, everything. And we need other men as men, we need other men around us where we can be totally transparent and kind of open up that kimono and say, Hey, this is the real me. And um, I'm not trying to live up to some facade. And that was the impetus for me to actually start, which you alluded to earlier in the conversation, winged ministry of, of guys discipling one another and, and having those true transparent Christ-centered masculine relationships. Well, okay, so take us through that transition of you realizing that you needed this in your own life. You needed other guys to rally around and, and, and live life together and, and get into the, the deeper, meaningful conversations and get past the, the surface to then actually saying, all right, this is great for me. I, I want to encourage and challenge other guys to, to have a similar wingman mentality in their own life. Yeah. The, again, it was the, the transition, the journey to the point where I reached out to a pastor friend of mine who taught at a, at a seminary because I had a lot of questions and I had a, that I didn't have answers to, okay, what did God mean by this? And, and we would meet on a regular basis it was one of those things where he said, yeah, this is kind of cool. Let's open it up to some other guys. So every Friday morning, we'd meet at his house for breakfast, and we'd have five or six guys there. And then it was, okay, let's open this up to anybody that wants to come. So we opened it up. We had about 19 guys show up in our first public venue, and mm. it began to grow and grow. And, and um, my pastor friend said, hey, Chad, I'm, I'm starting a church. I think you need to lead this. I'm like, man, hold on. Time out. Wow. I don't see the burning bush. You know, I didn't hear the audible word of God. What do you, what do you mean you want me to lead it? I'm not capable of doing it. I'm not mm. competent enough. I've never done anything like that. But he said, you got this. And that was, you know, the impetus and the start for Wingman, where we became an official, you know, nonprofit 501c3. And, you know, we've honed our model over the years. But at bottom line, it's, it comes down to discipleship and relationships, men meeting frequently, you know, in, in small group settings. 
Amen. That's our our heartbeat as well here at Unpacking It, and and we've got this community of sports fans following Jesus together. That's that's the key. We can't can't do this this alone. And and so as as you look back and and kind of you, know, you mentioned the season of life where you're really all right. God, help me. I need you. I, I can't can't do this alone either. Um, what were some of the other key ways that that you experienced growth, uh, kind of over the years, and 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 how have you seen? God, uh, deepen your faith and, and your understanding of who he is, but also you mentioned who you are in, in your own identity. You know, I've, it was kind of the aspect of honing actually what discipline means. You know, mm. St. Paul puts, you know, put off the old Adam and put on the new. And discipline for me was always performance, but discipline for me now is actively meeting with God every morning in a devotional frame where I'm asking God, you know, to speak, speak to me, like I'm having conversations with a friend. And that's where my, my, my maturity and, you know, that, that discipline and that aspect of hearing the voice of God speak to me through his, you know, his scriptures and through his word and through my prayer life that I have matured. And, and it's also allowed me then to mentor some other young guys you know, to see life into them because, you know, ultimately I, I see a legacy. Yeah. I've been able to accomplish a lot of different things and, you know, have acquired some material assets, but ultimately so what, mm. you know, a person's life, our legacy, my legacy, I think all men's, our legacy is not based on, you know, what accomplishes the things you've been able to achieve or things we've been able to accumulate, but it's relationships. Have we impacted our you know, our, our wives, our families, our children, our grandkids, our, you know, other young men, you know, pass that on life lessons on, you know, instill wisdom, which is, you know, knowledge applied as I define mm. it I like in that. the lives of, of others. And for me, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. And that's where I'm at in my life is, you know, one thing that Jesus said to, to all of us, the command, you know, go and make disciples. Mm. And I never really, took that seriously before early on in my life. It, you know, I'll, I'll use a sports metaphor here for you. It's, I think we as men go through three phases of life. Mm. Early on in our lives, we're, we're like that young rookie or that freshman trying to make the team. We're going out there and our whole thing is, is work-based performance to get out there and to kind of make our dent just to get on the team, to make the team and eventually work our way to be into that starting position. That's in your, you know, kind of in your late teens, 20s, and maybe even your, into your early 30s. Where we're in life, we're just trying to figure it out. We're new occupation. We're just trying to figure out life and to see who we are. And then when you get in your late 30s and into your 40s, you're kind of like that, hey, I'm that vested veteran. You know, kind of that, that player coach on the field where now you're starting to say, I, I need others around me that I can't do this all by myself. So I'm creating relationships and I'm starting to seed into others to build teams it's in essence, but when you get like me, I'm in my middle late fifties now. It's it's like, hey, I'm I'm that wise man at the at the gate. I'm that head coach, and the only thing that I you know I've made my dent in the world. Now I need to inspire others to rise up and to be a part of the team so that they can be a success. And and for me, that's that's what gets me going is being that coach now and. You know, as I said, I've made my mark in life. I've done the things that I wanted to accomplish, but now it's to pass on all the lessons and all the gifts that God has given me is is to help others be as successful in living that life of excellence in their lives. 
Amen. Oh, I love it. I love that 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 approach and, and perspective and willingness that you have uh, to be in the lives of of other men and young men, especially. And and so as you are, you know, entering into these these relationships and and entering into you know brokenness and mess and struggles, and as guys are are learning to grow and learning from you and the lessons that that you're passing on to them, what what are some of the the, the common struggles or issues that, that you, you find are very common for today's man? And, and what are some of those, those ways that you are trying to come alongside and, and, and point them in, in the right direction? Depends what age demographic. You know, older guys that are our age or others, it's, it's all about how you, or your perception of matching up to other guys. Hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like back in my younger days, you know, when you walk into a, a bar or an establishment, and you kind of look around, everybody sizes everybody up. That's kind of where the guys, my generation, you know, in the forties on up are, are like that. But these young guys, you know, young men in their teens and in their twenties, they really struggle with identity because they have been so abused regarding toxic masculinity that they're saying they, you know, it's not okay to be a rough house, little boy, you know, to fight, to, 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 to get out there, to compete. It's always sit, be nice. That's not the way God created us. Mm. And um, so depending upon which age demographic, you know, it's, it's seeding life that one, God created you uniquely. You have a strength set and skill set that you need others around you, you know, for an older guy that it's not what you do that defines who you are. You know, God created you uniquely and it's serving him, glorifying him, making his name known you know, that's, that's the success part in life. You know, for a young guy, it's sometimes defining what, what masculinity is mm. and it's okay. Giving them permission, you know, those feelings that you have, God put those in there. That's who you are. You don't have to go with what our mainstream media and what our culture is telling you is about what it means to be a man. That is as far from the truth. We need men to be men, biblical men. And that right. you know, can That's be right. defined and looks in, in many different areas. It's, it's to steward, to be good stewards of resources, to be good stewards of your family, your relationships, to love your wife, to love your kids, you know, to protect them. It's okay to be masculine. It's okay to goof around with your buddies, have a good time, hunt, fish, go do those things. You know, don't wear skinny jeans. <laughs> but, but that's, you know, that's, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's, it's dependent upon dem age demographic as to what lessons young men are, what lessons men need to hear. Wow. No, it's, that's great. And, and then as far as uh, marriage goes, how, how long have you been married to your wife? And 31 years, 31 years, 32 years this next month. So. That's awesome. I've got the battle wounds and the scars to prove. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. What, what are some of those, those scars that, that you've you know, been able to, to, to share with other guys you can share with our audience today? Just some, some lessons learned and encouragement uh, for, for, for married men today. Yeah. My, my biggest thing is early in my marriage, you can imagine um, I got married in, in June and um, I was deployed June 19th, you know, 10 days later, after a wedding, my wife and I were deployed to England. And by the time my first time there, you know, after I got qualified after a couple of weeks, you know, I'm deployed for a week at a time, once a month, basically. Mm. That was the first year. And then, then the Gulf War, I'm in that last year, I was deployed. It was six months. I was gone. 
And then we get to the Cowboys and, you know, I'm trying to make the team and, and just an Upworth. And I share all this with you is that my mindset that when I was home, I was home physically, but I wasn't home emotionally. Mm. I wasn't there present. Um, they're connected being in the moment. And I missed out a lot of times with my wife and with, you know, early on in the young part of our kids' lives is that, you know, I was there, you know, I was going for the walk, doing this, but man, I, I was thinking about, okay, on this game upcoming, I've got to be able to go through this game plan, you know, be able to do this, react this way. And I wasn't there. So for a lot of young dads, I would say, when you're home, be home, be present, be present with your wife. And, and again, as I alluded earlier in our conversation, God created us differently. Mm. You know, understand what makes her tick, her love language, um, and, and spend time. It's quality time. It's just not amount of time as in filling a square or a box. It's being there. So now my wife and I, we, we intentionally, we try to have coffee together in the morning before I get off to work. And, and at night we'll have, you know, a glass of wine where we'll just sit and we'll talk about, about whatever happened in the day. It's being there in the moment and being there present, not just physically. Amen. Amen. And, and so then how, how did you learn to turn that off the, the game plan in your mind or hey, I got to do this. I got to do that. Cause, cause I, I honestly struggle in a big way. So I'm asking for myself and for our listeners. Well, and a lot of this is for one being self-aware and this is the reason to have other guys and even have those conversations with your wife is, you know, it's self-aware. What are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? You know, as I when I do speeches, I sometimes make a joke of this, but but it's in essence, it's true. I you know, you ask somebody. I asked my wife one time, "What are my strengths and my weaknesses in regards to my character, my integrity, how I am?" Because we have this uh, self perception as to who we are. We all perceive ourselves one way, but we don't have that three hundred sixty degree view of who we are, perspective, or you know, as a pilot, fighter pilot, I said, you know, check your six. We can't see what's behind us, so we need that feedback. You know, and I. I say to make it a joke that I asked my wife this, you know, once because she came back that, Hey, you're, you're lacking here, here, and here, you know, as a husband, as, and as a father, you know, and she was right. Mm. So it's the essence of being humble to ask people for input and um, ask those people that, you know, truly have your best interests at heart regarding it's not just a casual acquaintance, but somebody that, you know, that you trust that you can be totally transparent and honest with. And we need to give that give and take back and forth and to realize that total self-awareness before you have an attitude about someone else, it's, it's kind of like pull the plank out of your eye first before you pull the speck out of someone else's eye. Mm. Critically look at ourselves. And I just, it's just self-awareness because we don't know what we don't know. And we need that feedback, you know, constantly, continually. It's not a one and done thing. It's, it's oh. as I said, a journey. It's a journey. Absolutely. And yeah, I was reading uh, just your bio and you've, you've kind of mentioned this a little bit here and there, uh, but I'll put it all together as we wrap things up. Uh, in order to achieve a legacy of excellence, one must live a life of integrity and purpose. Excellence isn't a destination. It's an identity. And, and then you also, when, when you, you speak, uh, you want audiences to realize it's not what we do that determines who we are, but that it's who we are that determines what we do. And so I guess kind of a final charge as we, uh, as we end things today, 
Uh, what would you say to, to sports fans listening today, wanting to grow, wanting to follow Jesus uh, more closely and, and, and more diligently? And, and uh, what, what's your final word? You know, my final word would be that it's in that self-awareness aspect. Ask yourself, you know, what's your identity? Truly look at your life. And are, do you define yourself by, again, by what you do? Am I that, that teacher, that coach, that, that fireman, that lawyer, that doctor, whatever? And is that where I find my significance? Then you got to start asking yourself the question of if that is, how can I change that to port where I'm talking about that we are adopted as sons? You know, that at the appropriate time, God sent his son to be born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoptions as sons. And those that are adopted, that we can receive the spirit of Jesus crying, Abba, Father, in our heart, that we are no longer slaves, but sons, and as sons, heirs of the living God. That's who we are. That's who we are created to be. And it doesn't matter what you do in life to live that life of excellence. It's, it's in essence, knowing who you are, identity in Christ, and then just walking out in integrity, doing the right thing each and every day. Amen. There you go. It, yeah, it's inspiring. And and Chad, I appreciate you coming on. And man, we only scratched the surface, but but an awesome story. And, and appreciate your heart and and just uh, perspective on 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 life and and being able to share the the lessons that you've learned along the way. So thanks for for giving us a little bit of that today uh, here on unpacking it. And, uh, and and wish you a merry Christmas and enjoy the the family time and and, and everything that comes th- this time of year. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. There's Chad Hennings joining us here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back here in the Unpacking It studio. Great stuff from Chad Hennings. Hope you were encouraged, and wow, what a life he's he's lived. Fighter pilot, Super Bowl champion, entrepreneur, author. Uh, so so it's, it's nice that we can learn from guys like that who, who have kind of seen the world and accomplished a lot. And uh, I just love that he, he talks about you know true identity and who we are in Christ, and that's what we want to cling to. And even though I mentioned those things, he realizes that's not what life's all about. It's not all about being a great football player, fighter, pilot, whatever. Um, who are we in Christ and how are we living that out? Um, it's powerful stuff. So I, I love that aspect of the conversation. And then also uh, he mentioned the word discipline and how that kind of definition changed for him. And I wanted to hit that one more time because I think it's really good because he used to view discipline as performance-based. And there's an element of discipline in our lives that, that, that yes, that's true. We want to um, put in effort and, you know, do these certain things and, and in some ways check boxes. But when that becomes our driving kind of motivation or how we view our relationship with Jesus and our spiritual journey, we're, we're missing it. And so the discipline for him is, no, I just have the discipline of actively meeting with God every morning, having conversations with him that are conversations like having them with a friend. Because that's who God, he wants us to be a friend, that he calls us friend. And so to have that type of relationship, that intimate, open, transparent relationships, relationship that is consistent and 
We're seeking him through prayer, scripture. That's what leads to maturity. And so, you know, the discipline of, oh, I just got to check off the box and, oh, I had my quiet time. Okay, I'm good to go. Really, God wants us to experience so much more and, and the fullness of him and the, the, the vibrant relationship with him and, and true heart transformation, spiritual maturity, growth and understanding of who he is and a, a, a deepened, a deeper love for him. And, and then those, those spiritual disciplines are, they're not driven by, oh, I got to perform or earn God's love or grace, but it's, ah, I get to enjoy God. And so there's the discipline to that. And so, you know, I have the discipline of every night I put my daughter Maddie to bed. There's a discipline to that. I do it every night, but, but at the core of it, it's not out of uh, duty or obligation. It's because I love my daughter and I enjoy that time with her and some days it's it's tough. I have to push through a little bit. But for the most part, it's an, an enjoyable time with her. And and similar with with our Lord and Savior, uh, let's let's enjoy that time and be committed, not based out of any kind of performance or have to or it's a, it's a get to. It, it really is. So uh, so good stuff from Chad. Uh, I hope you you pulled something away today. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let me let me know when you listen to these interviews what stands out. I, I I like hearing from you. So so please shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. What are you learning? How is it impacting you? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And then also as the year ends, we, we do have a matching gift opportunity right now. So if you want to donate and support Unpacking It Ministries, uh, you can do so by going to unpackingit.com slash donate. And then in December, our board will match your donation. And so uh, very generous of them and and very generous of you. So I appreciate it and thank you in advance for supporting Unpacking It. And, and we're excited about 2022. Uh, we're just getting started. So God's doing some, some incredible things uh, in us and through us and glad that you're a part of it. So thanks for listening today. Thanks to Chad Hennings. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week. 